Welcome to the Elfant Wissahickon Podcast Studio, located in our new office space at 990 Spring Garden in downtown Philadelphia. Come give us a visit and check out the new space. This is Christopher Plant reporting live from the Elfant Wissahickon Podcast Studio at 990 Spring Garden. We are here today with John Konis, and John is from Freedom Mortgage, and he is the preferred lender of Elfont Wissahickon now for well over a decade. Possibly one even of the preferred lenders. One of the preferred lenders. Okay. Yes. My preferred lender. <laughs> Sounds so, good. Uh, John, welcome to the studio today. Thanks oh, for great. coming in to make a podcast with us. John, how long have we known each other? Oh, almost 15 years, 12, 15 years. Okay. 15. Yeah. Okay. yeah. We met in February of 2015. Oh my, 2005. I remember when I came into the Elfant office, which is way back at 7112 Germantown Avenue, you were suggested as somebody that I should get together to learn more about the lending game. And you essentially like took my first call and met me the second day that I was at the office and told me all about, um, you know, how to sell mortgages. So. Oh, cool, cool. Well, I love to talk. That's that's right up my alley to talk mortgages. So yeah, um, how long have you been doing mortgages? Uh, just short of thirty years, 27, 28 years now. All right, and, and you I still and you still find ways to like keep keep it live and yeah, keep it fun. It's 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 weird. I I I I do. I'm a little bit surprised, but but I really do like it as much as I did 10, 20, 25 years ago. Every day is a different day. Yeah. You know, similar to real estate, there, there's no Groundhog Day. Right. You, know, you think you've heard it all until two hours later, something else rocks your world. Yeah. And um, you're constantly meeting new people. And you're constantly learning because you see how, how people work their sphere of influence or their book of business or how they work with realtors and, and, and past customers. And then just overall, you know, products change. Yeah. You know, post-crisis, products have been much different than, than pre-Great yeah. Recession crisis. So um, it's been cool. I, 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 I'm very fortunate to still like what I do 25 plus years and know it. Right. And so you went to college for accounting, didn't you? Yeah. So I was, I was, uh, don't hold it against me. I'm a senior Bonner High School grad, you know, and that's very proud of that back in the uh, very early 80s. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then after that, went to uh, Drexel, both undergrad and grad. And mm-hmm. uh, I'd worked, I'd done my co, you know, when I went to Drexel's for the, the co op program. Right. And what was kind of cool for me is, you know, I was, I like math, you know, so I was business. I wasn't smart enough for science. I have zero creativity uh, in my family, in my <laughs> being, anything about me, nothing creative. Yeah. Uh, and, but when I got done through my co-ops at the time, it was the big eight accounting firms downtown. Yeah. I worked for them. And when I got done, you know, five years later, I realized I didn't want to be an accountant. Right. So I let many people go get co-op jobs or internships through college to find out what, you know, to go hopefully do what they want to do. For me, it worked out just the opposite. I knew yeah. I didn't want to do it, which was fine. Yeah. But I had enough, I had enough credits. I had enough, uh, it was easier back then. I had enough time working in the accounting field that I could transition that, take the CPA test and eventually get my, my CPA license. Yeah. Although I've never done a tax return. Right. <laughs> um, I can read tax returns and that's yeah. what helps me in my field. Yeah, no, I think that uh, the fact that you have a finance background is incredibly yeah. helpful in um, not just analyzing deals, but also um, the perspective that you bring to the, the lending process. Because, um, you know, both uh, you and I share um, the fact that, that our industry 
does not always um, is not always highly regarded by the average person yes, out in the right. field. You know, Absolutely. mortgage brokers yep. and real estate agents um, are constantly fighting perceived notions about who they are yep. and, and what they do. Yes. And so I think that um, you know, in the same reason that I got my broker's license and have continued to do uh, a lot of uh, education post, you know, getting my license. Yes. Um, I think that your your financial background is uh, has probably served as a great benefit. I, I like to think so. I went to grad school for finance. So I, I graduated with a finance uh, MBA in, in finance. So between that and the mortgage side, and, and I truly like just just general finance relative to families, personal. Um, I'm not going to talk specific stocks when I'm talking to people, but just right. overall context for, for general family finance, um, tax questions, tax issues. Uh, even if I don't have the answer, my goal is always point them in the right direction um, or give them a better question to ask their tax accountant yeah. you know, if need be. And I definitely think it, it, I like to think it provides real value when I am um, talking to people. And I am, I'm not surprised anymore, but when the transaction's over, you know, I'll get calls for years later from people asking questions. Again, general finance questions yeah. related to real estate, but you know, it's, it's, nice you've always had great follow-up though. Yeah. I mean, I'm on a lot of the emails that you send to my previous clients and just full disclosure here, we've probably done a hundred yeah, deals together right. over yeah. the years. Yep. And, um, you know, so on birthdays and a lot of these major milestones, I'm getting information Anniversaries. Um, that you are putting out to, to the clients. And that's a great way of, of being kind of like that, that sticky kind of, uh, um, you know, broker that, that people will you have to find some way to, to, to do the soft touch and, and have it in such a way either to trigger the phone call, provide necessary, potentially necessary, uh, financial information and set that up. So it doesn't require too much of your time. Right. Yeah. It's the same thing that you guys, yeah. you can't be all things to all people all the time. So you're trying to, to, to get that information and those touch points without it taking up your time. So you, you know, hopefully your program yeah and, and still stay in people's ears and, and hearts and you know make sure that they know where to turn yep. when they have to turn there absolutely so tell us a little bit about about freedom mortgage i mean i know that there's been a lot of tumult and and change yeah. in in the mortgage industry over the last 10 years um you've, a lot has changed yeah you've you've always seen to land on your feet tell us how you yeah, ended up so, with freedom and sure sure so um uh for a lot of years, I'd worked uh, under an umbrella of National City Mortgage right. until the uh, crisis hit in 08. And yeah. the National City Bank was one of those casualties. Yeah. Um, after that, I'd worked for a Guaranteed Rate and uh, Aurora Financial Group. Both were direct lenders. I've only ever worked on the direct lender side. I've never been a mortgage broker, never worked that side mm-hmm. of, of the of the industry. And uh, just learned that early on from my one of my first bosses, you're basically stating you, you want to be the final answer, right? You know, you want to be able to where it's your company's money out there uh, on the line. So it, it kind of cuts through some red tape. And so freedom mortgage had bought out uh, Aurora lending group, uh, maybe five plus years ago. And my whole group, our offices in Plymouth meeting, you know, 10 of us, uh, probably 20 altogether inside staff. We've stayed with freedom mortgage through the years and uh, they're a direct lender. They're one of the, I want to say Top five or six yeah. uh, originators in the country. Our corporate office is over in South Jersey. Mm-hmm. We uh, service over a million loans, and uh, we're very good at what we do. Yeah, you know, it, it, and it's nice knowing that you know our processing, underwriting, closing is all local, and it really helps. I mean, when we have to go take over a loan from another lender, for whatever the reason, maybe there's an issue on the appraisal, maybe there's an issue on tax returns that someone wasn't sure about. 
uh, we can turn around and close it in in ten days, two weeks. Yeah, and that's not. It's not. No, no, no. You've, you've, you've jumped in and helped me yeah. on a handful of occasions, and I think that's so. I feel great. very fortunate with the. It's always with the people you work with, mm-hmm. and then with freedom, it's nice having you know that big umbrella uh, over us all. So. Yeah, um, we were talking a little bit before uh, we went on air here, and we were talking about credit ratings. And can you give me some ideas of of how credit ratings impact sure. people's capacity sure. to get a mortgage and things that they should be thinking about? Absolutely. You know, as, as realtors used to always say, you know, everything is, you know, location, location, location. When it came to the real estate side, it really, on the mortgage side, it really start with the credit report. Mm-hmm. And in general, there's really, other than the appraisal, which is looking at the value of the house and the condition of the property. Leading, which, which you have very little access to control on the, the buyer side or on the seller side. You know, appraisals can be so Well, ambiguous. you always want to make sure that your lender's dealing with a local appraisal firm, mm-hmm. you know, um, which is always good. Cause, and, and also the, the appraisers get to understand the marketplace, mm-hmm. uh, different neighborhoods, different right. realtors, how they function, listing agents, and so forth. Um, but but on the mortgage side, we, we most usually think of it on the buyer side, the equation is income, assets, and credit. So there's ways to work through income. Mm-hmm. You can potentially bring in a co-signer. Mm-hmm. You know, there's ways to work in assets. Sometimes in certain first-time buyer scenarios, you can go get, there's, there's grain agencies or, or other avenues to get access to monies right. to buy the property. But the one part it's very hard to get around is the credit report. Right. And so when the realtor says, hey, you know, give this person a call to get pre-approved for the mortgage, it, it always starts with the credit report. Just this was a conversation earlier today that I had with someone and they're in the midst of buying a property down the shore. And they were surprised that the, the wife's credit report score was very high, pushing 800. And I'll talk about credit scores in a second. And the husband's credit score was in the upper sixes. Uh-oh. Yeah. So in the mortgage program they were doing, being a jumbo loan, we call it a jumbo loan when you're above the Fannie Mae limits. Which is? Of 484.5. 484,500. On a single family property. Okay. So which many sure properties could fall into the, into that category. Um, for the program they wanted, they needed a 720 score. Mm. So they're closing in, you know, by the end of the year. And the issue here is, all right, is there a way to get his score up from the upper sixes? Well, they had a medical collection that was on the report only about a year old. It being a more recent collection could absolutely be impacting that score of 50 sure. to 100 points. Mm-hmm. So, you know, get, we sent them the credit report, gave them some guidance on what they need to do to get that fixed slash corrected. And we'll hopefully check that out again in early December, told them how they can monitor it on, on some credit report services. Um, that way, when they're monitoring it, it's not me rerunning the credit report till right. it's ready to. So it's not an extra any extra inquiries in there. And hopefully we should be good to close what they want to do by the end of the year. But but those types of conversations are not unusual in a credit report. And that's when a realtor says, give this person a call, get pre-approved, it really is running the credit report first. And that credit score means so much. Because yeah, you're, many, yeah, we're saying, yeah, you're many of your programs are, your interest rates are based off the credit score. Sure. So in order to have the, whatever the market interest rate on any given day is on a, we call it a conventional mortgage, Fannie Mae loan, mm-hmm. and uh, your score typically has to be 740 or above. Yeah. Now, if you're putting a huge down payment down, maybe get down to 720 or 700 and still be at the same interest rate. But if you're going 5, 10, 20% down and your score is, you know, that 680 score is going to have a higher rate than that 740 what, what score. Is, what is the difference, do you think? Um, it, it, there, it, there's tiered pricing based mm-hmm. on every 20 points, 720, 700, 680. Uh, I want to say 680 is around one and a half points different. Than 740. Yes, meaning not, in, not, not percent. Mm-hmm. you know, around one and 150 basis points. So you can mm-hmm. be at the market rate, 
being charged 1.5 points, 1.25 points. Yeah. Or you have to price that that loan a little bit higher in interest rate to buy so out. So that's those a three point seven five that could come back at a five percent. No, 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 no. We'll come back at four percent. Oh, four percent. Yeah, because okay. I was talking points, not okay. not right there. Um, now, if you were a six twenty six forty credit score, that's mm-hmm. three points. Yeah. So that same, it was three point seven five percent today on a zero point loan. It'd be three point seven five with three points. Mm-hmm. So if you're trying to get close to a zero point loan, you're buying that rate out. That rate now may go up to four and a quarter. Four right. And a half so if that's a four hundred thousand dollar loan. That's Three points is $12,000. That's totally right. Absolutely. Yeah. So part part of the pre-approval is, you know, the one this morning I was describing, they were literally putting an offer in within that hour. Right. Okay. That, that's a little bit the exception. Normally the people are planning on going out looking at houses, you know, that weekend or mm-hmm. scheduling times with the realtor to go out looking at properties. So the point of, of the credit report is, okay, we can run the credit report. We can then run some simulators on the credit report in some cases to might say pay this and, and pay certain credit cards down to certain levels, which mm-hmm. will impact your score so many points. Now the ball's in the buyer's court to see if they want to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'll try to give them some guidance and, and how long that takes and how long it is to show and how they should monitor that on their end before I rerun the credit report down the road again. Right. doesn't mean they can't get pre-approved. I still might be issuing that pre-approval right there at that point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, however, you know, that, that credit report does not need to be a stagnant document. Mm-hmm. You know, hopefully they're going to do the things we talk to them about to try to get that score up a little bit if need be. Yeah. Well, I would think that what I'm seeing in general is people are a lot more focused and a lot more aware of what's going on with their credit ratings yes. than they were 10 years ago. Totally agree. Um, I think that, um, you know, post, post crash, uh, that 2008, 2009, um, you know, most people were not generally super aware of, of the impact of, of, you know, paying their bills are like that one, you know, student loan that didn't quite get paid off yeah. or a medical payment that um, might be in dispute, but might be like being argued over. You're, you're, you are so right on all of that. And there's part of that that is a science anymore and part of it that's an art form. Um, I, I don't want to say that we're coaching people to do certain things on the credit side. We're just raising attention to some things that they can consider doing. Mm-hmm. And you touched on a few things. You, you, you need that credit report run, especially, you know, you pick a, you, you look at a middle-aged couple, maybe looking to step up in house. What, uh, what's middle-aged anymore? Yeah, I know I'm 54. So I don't know <laughs> what that, uh, you know, how else to find anymore, but I'm hoping but it stretches. I'm with yeah. you. I'm with you. <laughs> But, but that being said is, you know, when they're co-signed under kids' student loans, um, or maybe the student loans are deferred, mm-hmm. um, or, or the, you know, the first-time home buyers on an IBR program where it's called income-based repayment plan, due to their job or their income requirements, Ooh. they're not having IBR. to IBR, income-based repayment plan. Yeah. Your millennials know it all too well when they have their student loans. Yeah. It's a way for them to get a lower payment mm-hmm. based on the job that they have mm-hmm. and or the industry that they're in and or their income. Right. And it, it, while it, it suits a need, you know, that now that, 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 that person can pay their bills you right. know, in these large, rather large student loans, it, it does not mean it helps them in getting a mortgage. Right. So, so like, again, running the credit report would trigger a, home, a bunch of other questions that you just don't know when talking to somebody over the phone. Seeing it in black and white, seeing the credit profile would trigger more questions on mm-hmm. both sides that, will, that would be talked about. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, um, it's funny, I just around a credit report, uh, you, you think, again, you think you see it all in the business, right? And last week I ran a credit report, and, and I'd say, you know, a few times a year I'll run credit, and maybe you'll see the student loans up to, 
you know, one hundred and fifty or two hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Once in a while, two fifty. Mm-hmm. Last week, I ran a credit report and student loan was four hundred fifty thousand dollars in debt. Was know? that for a doctor? Um, uh, no, but I guess on their way, maybe to be. Well, doctor, I mean, look, I mean, uh, Harvard, these are, Penn. Yeah, these, know, these are, are these are seven hundred seventy-five thousand dollars a right, year. Right. Um, you know, and say you take a fifth year, uh, you're you know. totally right. I mean, the numbers can get crazy, but the go temple, on, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> depending on, depending, or, or maybe community college for two years, yeah, then yeah. go temple. Yeah. Um, until uh, it, 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 but it does impact what someone's going to qualify for, sure. you know, depending on the program, because yeah. some people could have student loans. And I'm just going to round off at a hundred thousand and you know, they're paying $200 a month back because they're on some kind of special program. Well, two things are negative to that. One is it's, it's negative amortization interest. So you're not paying anything, you're not paying off. anything you're back. Just... And, and you're just every month that balance is increasing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It could be holding back your credit score because even though you're paying that bill on time, the running balance of it being, going up every month is higher quite often than the original loan amount they took out going to school. Mm-hmm. So on the credit report, it's reading a balance that's more than the credit limit, which could have not as much of a positive impact uh, on the credit score, even though you're making that payment on time. So, yeah. so they have, and, and you really can't change so that. Mean. It is mean. That, that part is mean. But, but the back half of that is, is that depending on the mortgage program, we have to count 1% of that balance as a monthly payment. Mm-hmm. Now, some programs may only be half a percent of the balance, but meaning so, on a $100,000 balance, I have to count $1,000 a month as a monthly payment. Oh, a month, a 1% month. a month. Yes. Or there's one, you know, some programs where it's a half a percent, which is $500. Yeah. So even though a buyer is sitting here making, you know, a, a, in their mind, you know, they're, they're working 60, 70, $80,000 a year, they might have a car loan, you know, maybe a few credit cards and in their mind they're living well within their means mm-hmm. because that student loan payment's only a nominal figure each month. I go lop on that, that, that monthly amount and it yeah, may blow out. $150,000 and you have to put in $1,500. That's right. Now, so, but the conversation piece would be along these lines. Let's assume everything else is fine as far as them getting a mortgage. They have a little bit of money saved up. The credit's very good. You know, they, they, you know, they've been managing their bills fine for a while. They know what they can afford. However, I might suggest to them, look, when you go back on your, go back online, your student loan organization, and try to look at what that monthly payment would be if it was fully amortizing on mm-hmm. a fixed rate mm-hmm. loan. And if it's within reason, oh, you can so do you it. could go ahead and do that three months before you're yes, putting your offer yes, in. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so you can kind of manage that out a yeah. little bit. Um, uh, again, the pre-approval stage is just you're not going to get everything asked, answered, neat package. You know, put your offer in in an hour. That's not always going to be the case. Right. It it is moving parts. Mm-hmm. Um, that and 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 I would have a conversation with the realtor on that same line. So, so without I'm sorry, divulging personal information, but. Of, of the buyer, but just so everyone's on that on that same page or same timelines, so you know reduce frustration levels, and still trying to keep that buyer's experience as as, as positive and great as it can right. be. Right. So, um, what what do you feel like? I mean, I'm going to move on from the sure, the, the, sure. the credit stuff. What do you feel like are the 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 general sort of things that we should be paying attention to? in relation to the mortgage industry, in relation to what's happening with the world and, you know, the, our region and, and the growth that we're experiencing? Well, I think that, I think that um, the one thing that's good about the Philadelphia marketplace is it really doesn't get too high or too low. Right. So even when you had the, you mentioned earlier, the Great Recession and, or, you know, the, the real estate 
imploding a little bit across the country from 08, 09 for mm-hmm. the, you know, the next several years. If I remember correctly, in literally in Philadelphia itself, in Philadelphia County, on average, values did not drop. I believe the median or average price either stayed the same year to year or was, or was well, it, it depended. slightly. I, I think it depended really on the, the areas where you were. You no, know? absolutely. So like Everything I, is neighborhood I, by neighborhood. Right. Mm. But my, my point being is that what we lived here, yeah, sure, yeah. I, I'm in Delaware County. There were parts of Delaware County that got hit really hard, parts right. of Chester County. But we didn't live across the board the lows. No, of course that, not. That, that course many not. other metropolitan areas like have on the West Coast and down South. And, and Miami. And, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so... It, I, I would think that from a buyer standpoint, or as as people get older in their twenties and they're considering buying a house, that I think that does lead when it's pointed out to them to some being comfortable making that decision to buy a house because no matter yeah. what it is, it's still the biggest decision. Absolutely, you know whether it be from a neighborhood and and uh, the the values in the neighborhood that that from a financial standpoint to the amenities of the neighborhood, which the realtor is going to really be able to help them out with in schools and so mm-hmm. forth. Um, it, but then you have the financial piece of it um, that should really give a buyer some peace of mind that, hey, the marketplace is going to turn at some point. At some point in the next couple of years, you know, values are going to moderate, you know, um, the stock market is going to sell off a little bit and that word recession might become a reality. Mm-hmm. And a recession, just so people know, is when the gross domestic product for the country drops, contracts for two consecutive quarters right. in a row. So that's technically when the recession <laughs> that's, not, that's not a lot. That's six months. That's right. Six that's quarters. six months. And and so and in that, and so what happens is okay, the values start to moderate, meaning yeah. maybe they go up a little bit less. Or if they contract it, it's it's a relatively nominal uh, figure in either neighborhoods or zip codes. Um, hey, that's part of the ebb and flow of 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 the financial world. You know, there's there's more people, they're not creating more land. Yeah. You know, so um uh, and that's th- th- there's some good parts of that too. It it kind of cleanses the market a little bit. Yeah. So you have you know a lot of flippers out there, a lot of investors out there, and and remodelers and so forth, which is great because it really keeps certain neighborhoods up and coming, mm-hmm. and 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 keeps everything moving along those lines. They have access to financing, which is really half the battle that wasn't available five or seven or ten years ago as right. easily. So they're able to go invest back in their communities, but. When things are done to an excess, as we've lived in this country in, in different uh, financial products or different financial stuff, basically, you know, then things contract a little bit. So mm-hmm. now you get you get rid of some of the riffraff on the edges, whether yeah. it be mortgage people, whether it be some realtors that aren't committed to the to the real estate in the right ways, and also on the on the uh, the people that are investing back in the marketplaces. Yeah, you know, you start dealing with the builders who do the best job. Right, not not just the ones coming in to, to make a quick buck. Yeah, well, and I think that what I've I found, and I remember back to oh eight oh nine, and and I do get a sense that that we're kind of approaching uh, a kind of saturation that is very similar to you know kind of what I was feeling then. Yeah. That there are a lot of people who um, you know maybe they're making good money, maybe they think they know a lot about a neighborhood, um, and they want to capitalize on what's going on out there. And you know, I remember in you know two thousand twelve two thousand thirteen. Everybody was buying a multifamily. You know, like yeah. everybody was out there buying a two to four unit, and they're like, "I want to get in the market. I want to invest." And it's very, very hard to find good multifamilies. Uh, I'm working with a buyer who's in New York and is essentially priced out of that market. Yeah. Wants to come down to Philadelphia, and thought I think that they were going to uh, that every deal that they were going to look at was going to be somewhere between a six 
to 10% return. And, and there's just like not finding no. um, properties that, that, that right off the bat fit that market. Um, I did also work with a 1031 buyer um, out of New York that um, couldn't find anything. They were selling in San Francisco, a property that they bought 30 years ago. So I think that their yeah. basis yeah, was yeah, yeah, really yeah. wonderful. Um, but they came down into Philadelphia and bought six unit multifamily yeah. that was providing a, a seven and a half percent cap rate. It was interesting to, to just kind of compare and contrast kind of what they, you know, what, what both of these groups yes. are thinking about and what it means for the Philadelphia market that many of the people who are here, um, who, and, and I do think there comes a point where experience in a marketplace can, can become um, detrimental to your understanding of what is actually happening. You know, um, what do you mean? Uh, I mean that there are people who remember when a particular property would have oh, easily yeah. been purchased for 150 grand, but now it's 300. Yeah, and they yeah. look at it and they can't see past the 150. They see the 300. They're like, "That's ridiculous," but that still might represent a legitimate opportunity in the marketplace. Oh, yeah, um, just based on what has happened. And right. there are certain neighborhoods where, um, you know, we talked about, um, you know, what happens in in 08 or 09. I had a bunch of properties in Point Breeze and, you know, Bob Elfont, who I'd always tried to learn from, would always say, you know, you, you, you watch the tide go out and you make sure that wherever you are, you're in a safe place when the tide yeah. comes back in because he's been in the business for 45 years. He knows, yeah. you know, a thing or two. And, you know, it just so happened that when the tide came back in 0809, my Point Breeze properties were way yeah yeah <laughs> in, on the wrong side of of the tide and um and you know but now you have um seen year over year like 10 percent increases in value down in point breeze yeah and um and and it's and it's hard for people to really wrap their heads around it you have properties that are selling at 650 um you know uh down there next to properties that you can still buy because they're you know sort of bombed out shells uh, for one fifty, one seventy five. Right. But there are tons of people who remember when you could buy a shell for fifty to sixty five, and they're like, "No way, I'm going to buy a shell for one seventy five. It just doesn't make any sense." So, so I think it's very interesting to pay attention to what's going on in the market when you're in markets like Point Breeze. Whether you're buying a house to live in, primary residence, or buying an investment property, you really want to be able to trust your realtor mm -hmm. and their knowledge of, of the neighborhood price points, history of the marketplace. And it does surprise me that, you know, when I watch buyers do things, that, that that's really not always the case. And no. you really don't have the information that, that if the realtor's an expert on it, that, that's there for them to get. And they, mm -hmm. If that realtor, if they don't feel comfortable can't, or that realtor cannot provide it, they really should move on to another realtor. Well, that, that's, this is a whole other episode because yeah. I am consistently stunned at the criteria that people use to select a real estate professional to work with. Oh. And it's the same with mortgage, you know, like um, people are, are always, yeah, well, my sister was at a baseball game and yeah. sat next yeah. to a guy whose sister did something. Right. And so we gave right. her a call and she worked it out. I have frequently wished that there was an additional element of rigor that was applied to the process. The only thing I will, will say on that is, is really twofold. One is, Look, if, if I'm a consumer, be careful when you're dealing with the local banks because that mortgage pro that mortgage is one of a thousand products they have. Mm -hmm. And you're dealing with an order taker on the other end of that line. So, um, it, you know, and they can't always meet settlement dates or commitment dates, which mm -hmm. could impact their deposit monies and their settlement. 
And at the same time, while many people might uh, they'll shop online, um, to go to literally go do that mortgage with an online broker, there's they don't really have anything vested in the game. Meaning oh, that no. broker, you know what I mean? So they're not going to care as much about dates. No. Um, you don't know if what you're getting to the tables, which you're, we're expecting to get as far as you know rates and fees and so forth. Um, and since you don't really know directly what you really what you're looking at, because these are you know these forms look so complicated that you really want to be able to trust who you're talking to. I that line. agree 100%. I mean, people all the time, you know, there's two versions of this talk, right? So um, my higher end clients are like, I've been banking with sure. Chase and I've been banking with this person. And the idea that I would go out into the market and look for mortgage as opposed to having this, you know, broker who's been working for me for a long time, uh, I'm going to use Chase or I'm going to use this one or that one. Right. And, and they're expecting a high end level of service and this sort of like white glove kind of scenario. But the reality is, is that that mortgage is yeah. going to be batted around between five different departments. Yes. And one of them's in New York. One of them's in, you know, San Diego. The other one's back in Atlanta. And there's very little... Um, sort of contingency between all of these departments, yes. and it ends up being. I, I mean, I've had some of my worst experiences with um, high end, high net right. worth individuals right. Right. who thought that they were going to get like a really excellent curated experience. Um, where, in if they had gone to uh, a mortgage broker, yeah. um, uh, not you know, like a direct lender, yeah. somebody who was like, "I'm going to do your work." And, you know, it stops with me, I'm the guy, you know, and so, yes, um, yes. and those are some of those deals where, where you have rescued that for me. But let's talk about, um, as we wrap up here, there's so often conversations are, are very negative, but there's a lot of great things going on in the real estate market right now. Can you tell me some of the... Well, I think I think one of the relative to realtors and lenders that, that's really big is, look, assuming, let's leave the refinance part out of the equation from a lending standpoint. Let's just stay with the purchase side. Um, and people buy houses when there's household formation. That's that's what it is. I mean, that that's that's been the. Um, proven. Do you mean like when people are getting married? When people when are getting married, or, or people are getting together, or they're moving in together, mm-hmm. and and you know, household formation is defined differently today versus twenty or thirty years ago. Yeah, but but it is <laughs> it's still household formation. Yeah. We're the one person getting together mm-hmm. to, to to live, and over the next five, ten years, five, eight, nine years, those projections are very very strong. Because there was some pent-up demand coming after the, the Great Recession that those mm-hmm. the millennials did not buy right away. Mm-hmm. They, they had moved back home or they had moved in with a bunch of people renting. And, and in time, with the, strong, with the strong workforce we have and the strong labor market we have now. And the rising rental rates. And, and wages especially have gone in urban, up. urban areas. Absolutely right. That, that the, the, Basically, household formation is supposed to be extremely, extremely strong over the next half decade to a decade. Now, in that, and that covers a lot of different price points. But when that happens, that leads to people buying houses, mm-hmm. and 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 that that's going to further you know potentially outstrip supply, um, if that stays strong, um, which keeps values up and or rising. Mm-hmm. So the for for the foreseeable future, that's a very good thing in a real estate market right now. Yeah, I'm excited about how creative the the financial markets will get. I mean, when it's, it's sort of an understatement to say that like household formation is a little different today than it was in 15, 20 years ago, yeah. um, because there's all kinds of different things that are happening with, you know, people being together for much longer periods of time yep. without being married. Yep. Um, people, um, you know, getting divorces, getting back together, um, you know, friends coming together. Uh, I'm really interested to see how um, 
urban environments, in particular where the housing costs are going up dramatically, are going to figure out how to get people into loans without creating onerous um, products that that, that well, should be for now. In the, first the, place. The, the products are still there. Yeah, I mean, what uh, you know, for everything that we've lived the last ten years, you know, well, people will ask, well, you know, is it harder to get a mortgage today? And 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 uh, I don't want to give a flippant answer, but I'd ask for a flippant answer in the mm-hmm. sense of. Can I document your income? Yeah. You know, and is your credit score at least <laughs> yeah. 620? Yeah. And and most people is is that, or there's a way to get it to that to that point. Um, yeah, get a mortgage. You, you may need very little money to buy a property today. Yeah. And and, and even what somebody qualifies for, we call it debt to income ratio. Yeah. Their monthly bills relative to their monthly income. Yeah. Including a mortgage payment. That really hasn't changed over the last 10 years. Right. So through the crisis, and people worried about need to get twenty percent down. No, no, no. It hasn't changed. You can still do it with very little down. What What is the the, the best product out there for the least amount of money that you well, would sell a veteran, in, 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 and and believe in? If someone's a veteran, um, it's still a hundred percent financing, and the seller yeah. can pay a lot. Sometimes all the closing cost. And Man, that, that should be the way it is. I mean, that's 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 just a phenomenal way to go. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, there's no monthly PMI or that private mortgage mm-hmm. insurance in that sense. Uh, they charge another fee that you finance up front, but there's no monthly piece to it. So VA will always will always be my okay. my, my favorite for the, for the average for the average for, person out for there. the average person. You could be doing an FHA loan, which is three and a half percent down. Uh-huh. You could be doing a conventional mortgage if you're a first time home buyer, three percent down, three percent down. Yeah, and so you know between that and a seller's assist, um, you know you can hopefully reduce that that yeah. out of pocket. The money can be your own savings. You can, you know. If so, so for a four hundred thousand dollar mortgage at three percent down, you're talking about a, a down payment of twelve thousand dollars, right? And um, however, uh, the most sellers assist in that standpoint is three percent. Well, that, that, that's fine. Okay. I mean, um, if you're doing three percent down and you're prepared, you yeah. probably it shouldn't depend yeah. on the three percent sellers that's assist. Right. But, right. Um, but I hear you. I, I myself am the portrait of subprime way back in. 2004 when I bought mine. No subprime. No, no, no. No, but I'm saying when I I, I got 100% financing and a 6% sales assistance. Yes, yes, yes. I wasn't a veteran. You know what? I was like, you know. (laughs) Then maybe what you said might be true. It was a crazy, crazy product. It was a crazy market, yeah. Um, Yeah. But but, but in general, we're talking about a $400,000 mortgage that you can get with 3% down. Well, what's an interest rate look like if you have a 750s? Upper threes, 0.3 and three quarters, 0.1. That's great. So if you're in the 750s, if you're over 720s, say yeah um you're still getting under four percent right absolutely right i mean that that's an incredibly yeah. hopeful thing no, and, and, I mean, and, and so it can still be structured to to reduce that and that's part of the pre-approval process because if they know the money up front they know what they have to get to as far as what they have, have to save right or where they really oh, i'm going to get a gift from a relative we talk about that you okay, know so or, in the city of philadelphia we're talking about the, yeah, the philly first ten thousand program right that's a big deal yeah um uh, it's ten thousand dollars towards your towards your purchase price and closing cost for your down payment and closing cost. Yeah. So if you're using that on a three percent down program or the doing an FHA mortgage at three and a half percent down, that between that and a small assist, you might get most of your down payment and closing costs covered. Right. Now there are income limits. Yeah. Now they start I think in the in the seventies on up depending on the household size. Uh-huh. But that's all part of that conversation up front with the lender. Yeah. And that's the purpose of finding out well, what's available. And to I you. mean, this comes back to what you were saying about realtors and what I'll say about lenders. It really does pay oh. to be with the person who knows the products, who knows the area, who yep. knows the 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 general terrain of 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 a place. And this um, goes to your uh, you know point what that you were making about 
um, using internet lenders. And, and it is, I, I get people all the time, they're like, I can get this from this guy in California. And, you know, I'll look at the information that they sent across. It doesn't have a phone number on it. Yeah. It doesn't have any real, like, ways for you to connect well, with I, anybody. I'll, I'll go one step further on that and say, yeah, that's great. You got that. Let me see. And I'll take a look at it. Do you know they're, they're, they're charging you points? Yeah. Do you realize your closing costs are X thousands of dollars more yeah. versus anybody else locally? Yeah. Because they did not just, they did not talk to you about that. Right. Uh, um, well, and you might talk to three different people um, yeah. just to get the approval. So. I, in the end, I really think today that, in, and I think you're a perfect example of Christopher, you know the lending area almost as much as you know the real estate area. Yeah. And from the mortgage side, most of the mortgage people you know that are good know the real estate side. Not not neighborhoods. I don't mean from that standpoint. But they know what's right and wrong relative to contracts yeah. and what they see yeah. and so forth. Mm-hmm. So they so they know the realtor side um, a good piece of also. And when you blend that two together, that should really be fruitful to a buyer and give them the most comfort level in a decision that they're making. That's great. Well, that's a perfect place for us to wrap up our conversation. Thank you very much for coming in today. This was a fantastic opportunity to learn a little bit about the business, learn a bit, little bit about the, the current landscape. So, My first official podcast. There you go. So <laughs> your name, your contact information, your phone number. My name is John Conus. My contact information is 610-322-4886 is my cell. Email address john.conus, C-O-N-E-Y-S, at freedommortgage.com. And where can we find you on the interwebs? Uh, we're all over Facebook, online, uh, Instagram. It's, it's all out there. Zillow. Hey, Zillow is a good place for reviews. We post a lot, or a lot of our reviews are on Zillow. Yeah, good. So. All right. Well, thanks for coming out, John. Great. Welcome uh, again to the Elfont with a Hicken podcast studio. Great. We're breaking it in here with one of the older pros in the game. I'm very happy to be with John. We've done hundreds of deals together. Ciao, everyone.